Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. I'm excited about this one. We actually haven't had an episode recording in a while, so this should be fun. Uh, we are back, and as always, we have our uh, my, my co-host with me, Mr. Pete Mackey. Say what's up to the people, Pete. Good to be back on the show, Alex. Good to see your smiling face, Pete. <laughs> All right. And so today we have a good one for you. We have uh, actually a, a good friend of ours. It's uh, Dr. Nisha Mehta. She comes to us all the way from North Carolina, and she is a radiologist, a founder at Physician Side Gigs, which we'll get into in a minute. And she's also a top healthcare voice um, on LinkedIn. So welcome, Dr. Nisha. Thanks for having me on the show. I know we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And right off the bat, we have a connection there to North Carolina because as some of the viewers or listeners might know, Pete Mackey is a Tar Heel himself. So <laughs> That's right. And in fact, Nish and I had a chance to meet in person in Charlotte uh, a few months ago. So We did. It's, it's, we a, did. it's a double connection. Yes, we've been visiting, um, and and I actually was on faculty at Chapel Hill for um, for a few years, a few years back. So, lots of lots it. of connections there. I knew I liked you. I knew <laughs> okay, so hopefully we don't have any Duke fans in the in the listening booth today. Not, not quite yet. My whole the rest of my household is Duke fans. We are a house divided. My husband did his fellowship at Duke um, for plastic okay. surgery. So, um, you know, and my kids were in the UNC daycare, so they were UNC fans for a while. And then Duke won the championship and they all flipped. So, oh, no, we need to to work on that. We need to definitely work on that one. All right. So March Madness is for sure madness in the the Meta household. It is. It is. (laughs) All right. Good to know. Well, just to dive into it here, uh, we usually kind of start off with hearing a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you grew up, and uh, maybe some of your, you know, where you went to school and things like that. So where are you from? Sure. I'm um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally. Was there all the way through high school, then went to Providence, Rhode Island, to Brown University for um, undergrad, and then went to med school at Penn, uh, and then went to New York and did residency at NYU followed by fellowship um, and then the faculty position we just referred to at UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. And what, what about, um, you know, medicine or healthcare intrigued you and why, why choose this uh, line of work? Yeah. uh, Well, so I guess if you take it way back, my dad was a cardiologist. Let's take Um, it way back. (laughs) <laughs> I grew up around medicine, didn't actually okay. know if I wanted to do medicine. My dad was actually very against me going into medicine, surprisingly. Um, Why and is that? that? You know, I think he just, he had worked really, really hard. And I think he just kind of was like, you should take it a little easier. And it's like, it's not an easy oh, life. Interesting. Um, you know, I, th- I think he, he saw some of the challenges coming down the pipeline in medicine and, 
was mm. just not really sure that that's what he wanted for his daughter. Of course, you know, I don't listen very well, so I, I, I did what I wanted to anyways. Um, and, you know, I had always loved what he did, but in, at the time I was kind of like, well, you know, I just want to learn the material. I love the material. I'm interested in it. I want to learn it. And then if I don't want to practice clinically or, you know, if things have changed, I can always pivot. I can always do something else. You know, I could get my MPH. I could do public health work. I really liked policy work and mm. um, wanted to do some of that. And so, you know, I, I saw different avenues that we get an MBA and do healthcare entrepreneurship. I was at Penn for med school. And so um, I took a bunch of classes at Wharton while I was there and actually was probably was planning on getting my MBA while I was there. But my husband, who I was doing long distance with, uh, he was doing medical school at Penn, I mean, sorry, at Brown while I was at Penn. Mm-hmm. So we were doing distance. And um, when he matched in New York for his residency, uh, me doing my MBA at Penn would have required another two years in, in Philadelphia and another two years of distance just didn't seem super palatable. So, sure. um, and then ended up moving to New York and finishing up my, my virtual last year of medical school for fourth year and then starting residency then. But mm-hmm. um, always kind of knew that I could use my degree to do other things if it turned out that clinical medicine wasn't what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, we just kind of did my own thing. That's how I got into healthcare. I always liked the science of it. And I just really wanted to know. And I think I grew up with just such great examples of the doctor patient relationship. You know, my dad is a cardiologist in a smaller suburb of Pittsburgh and was the chief Mm -hmm. of cardiology there for many years. And I would go to the mall and my friends had this game where they would like, they'd actually take bets on how long it would be before one of his patients would come up to me in the mall and be like, Oh, how was your tennis tournament how was your debate tournament and it would be like it would be really embarrassing at the time but now I look back on it I think about how much healthcare has changed and just think how great it was that you know his patients knew him well enough and they had a good enough doctor-patient relationship that they could identify his daughter in a crowded suburban mall and not only know that I was his daughter but also know what was going on in my life and that's one of the things that I think you know, in recent years has really been eroded at in healthcare, um, just that time to get to know people that well. But I grew up with such examples of that doctor patient relationship that I really craved it at the time. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on a couple of good points there that I wanted to readdress a little bit. Um, Just the fact of family kind of guiding the journey of entrepreneurship and the journey of your career. I think that's important for, you know, viewers to understand as they're getting into it. You know, maybe you you might have an idea of where you're going, but let's say you, you know, you meet the love of your life or you have kids or something like that. It just kind of changes, uh, you know, the way that you can move forward in your career or the decisions that you make for sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to be said about the best lead plans. I've always been sort of a, I knew exactly what I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And of course life never really panned out in in that absolute direction. And you just learn to pivot. But uh, I think the type A in all of us likes to plan. uh, But realizing that, you know, sometimes life has different plans is, is a good approach to take. Absolutely. Kind of nice having a dad in healthcare, though. You got kind of a sneak peek into things. Kind yeah. of reminds me of, reminds me of a good dad joke. Oh, here we go. Uh, did you hear Let's the go. one about? Did you hear the one? I mean, it's dangerous on this show. I should have warned you in advance. <laughs> these these things do happen. Did you hear about the the one about the 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 girl that went into the cardiologist's offices for an eye exam? The cardiologist looked up and said, "You're not very bright, but your heart's in the right place." <laughs> 
Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You can take that back to your own kids. You know, and say that this is what a UNC education will give you, okay? This kind of level of intelligence. Of amazing and data. Wit. Yes. Yeah, you can take that back to your, your far, father, the cardiologist. That would be perfect. I will. He'll get a good chuckle out of it, I'm sure. So it was also interesting that you said uh, your dad was kind of like didn't want you to go into this field because of the hard work that it, you came along with it and sort of the burnout. And I believe that's essentially one of the things that you address within physician side gigs, right? Which is interesting that because of that, was there any part of that that kind of played into you starting PSG? Yeah, you know, I wish that I could say it was a very intentional pathway in terms of me starting PSG. It really was not. Um, <laughs> I, so, I, you know, we've now grown to the largest online community of physicians in the country. We've got about 150,000 verified physician members. But, um, wow. you know, it that was not ever the intention. It was – I basically at the end of my time at UNC, um, my husband had been doing his fellowship for the past three years and really had not been home very much at all. Um, I'm not kidding when I say that my older son or my younger son, I'm sorry, actually had legitimate stranger anxiety uh, with oh, my husband. So he oh, and, you know, he would only be home three or four hours a night because he'd come home basically just to sleep mm -hmm. and then he'd be right back. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes there would be an emergency, you know, like somebody would get their hand stuck in some sort of structure and have all their fingers chopped off. And then he would be, you know, he'd be reconstructing that hand for two days straight or something like that. And wow. we would, you know, we just didn't see him very much during those years. And so my younger one who was born our first or sorry, our second year while we were um, in the triangle, he really just did not have a whole lot of time with his dad at that time. And mm. I think we, he and my husband and I were kind of saying, Hey, is this really the life that we were imagining when we were dating back in college? And, you know, what does it mean to be a dual physician family with me on faculty, doing academics, having grant funding, you know, doing all those things, also having two young children and you having such a busy career? Like, is this, this is what we want for the next 10, 15, 30 years? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we had to take a little bit of a step back and say, well, what's going right and what's going wrong. And my dad's mm -hmm. experience and my experience growing up watching my dad was very different in medicine. I mean, those were just different times. There was also very clear demographic differences between how my family was run when I was younger. My mom was a stay at home mom. My dad was, you know, dedicated to the hospital, but also private practice was different at that time. You know, mm -hmm. they ran an, ind they ran an independent practice and there weren't as many financial sorts of pressures. Um, that exists today in terms of outside parties looking in on healthcare, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so we we kind of took a few steps back. And during that time, my husband ultimately we had we had had jobs lined up in New Jersey that we were planning on taking. We always intended on going back to the Northeast. And as we looked at those jobs and we compared them with the jobs down south, ultimately we decided that we needed a few years where things would be a little bit more relaxed, so that we could kind of reconnect as a family, so that my or my son can recognize my husband. And then you know we were like, well, we'll just try it out for two years. And if it doesn't work out, we'll 
we'll go elsewhere um, and we'll move back, but let's, let's just take a little bit of time to kind of reconnect. And so when we made that last minute move, um, I was actually left without a job for about six months while I looked for another job and got credentialed and did all of those things because we made that change in the last year, in the last month of his fellowship. Um, So it was a very last minute pivot. And so I had time for the first time in my career to kind of sit back and reflect on sort of what a career in medicine looked like and what I wanted. And, you know, I was leaving academics because Charlotte didn't have an academic medical center for radiology. Um, And so, you know, my choices were basically to go into private practice. And so I really had to put a lot of thought into what I wanted my career to look like for the first time. I'd always just assumed that I was going to be in academics. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I did some of that thinking, I started doing a little bit of writing and that writing led to speaking requests. And I think I really just sort of hit a nerve um, with a lot of people in my writing about just talking about life and medicine and figuring out, you know, where your responsibilities as a physician ended and where your personal life, you know, how, how do you balance all of those things? I think mm. because the climate of medicine was changing so much that really just touched a lot of people and, and, and people wanted to hear more and were just kind of happy to see their own feelings being validated, right? Um, And so as that following grew um, and I started getting more requests for speaking and writing and things like that, um, I realized I didn't know a whole lot of physicians that were doing things outside of medicine. So I started this small group really just to be able to connect with a few people in an efficient way um, that didn't require, you know, text chains and whatever. And so we were like, okay, we'll just start this little Facebook group. We'll be able to talk amongst each Mm -hmm. other. We can talk about things like what good rates for speaking gigs are. And, you know, if I can't do a speaking gig, I can tell one of you if one of you are interested or whatever. Um, And that was really the intention of PSG when it first started. Um, Yeah, for sure. And just for clarity for the people that are listening. So Physician Side Gigs is essentially a community which was started on the basis of uh, physicians kind of physician burnout and uh, you know mental health kind of surrounding those issues but finding ways for physicians to fi- uh, find jobs outside of private practice or things like that correct yeah like hitting on alternative income streams and just you know we as we we kind of took a lot of different iterations over the years. We just followed what people wanted, but initially it was really just to talk about alternative income streams. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's so many issues related to alternative income streams and tie into why doctors would ever even pursue an alternative income stream, right? Ostensibly we do pretty well financially. And so that whole concept of physicians, even exploring side gigs is just a very different concept to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But what we realized is, you know, a lot of that tied back to financial difficulties student loans, um, early career struggles to kind of mm. balance different things. And, um, and then also, of course, the need for change and, and burnout and all of these sorts of issues that were really con- making people consider, well, what else is there that I can do to um, supplement income streams and maybe cut back a little bit clinically? And that just exposed a lot of sort of underlying um questions within the community that a lot of people were encountering. And then also just fostering a sense that we had this community that was a safe space for physicians to come together and talk about whatever it was that they wanted to talk about. So physician side gigs grew and we sort of expanded into, and there were all these business and finance questions, right? Because nobody had taught us anything about business and finance in medical school. And so we grew into this place to discuss business and finance, but as the community grew, 
past that, it became clear that everybody just wanted to also connect on issues related to life and medicine or have a place to say, hey, you mm-hmm. know, can you give me a second opinion on this case? Or, hey, I need to transfer, or like one of my patients is moving to Florida and I need a new PCP for him. Is anybody, you know, can anybody recommend a good person? Wow. Or sure. my mom fell down the stairs in California and I live in New York and, you know, she needs to see an orthopedic surgeon tomorrow. Can one of you see her? Whatever it, it is. And so yeah. we had this need for this other community aspect of things. And so we then eventually split off another group called Physician Community that has about 60,000 verified physician members on it currently. And that group is sort of this online virtual doctor's lounge where everybody can just talk about all things life and medicine. So we've gone through multiple iterations of kind of who we are and what we do. um, And we've really just tried to respond to what people were asking for and what they were needing. I think you know, one of the biggest things, whether people are looking for side gigs or whether they actually ask questions or whether they're just passive participants, there's a nice part of knowing that we can all come together as physicians across gender, across specialty, across stage of practice, Mm -hmm. and sort of all just be there to help each other and guide each other and advocate for each other and learn from each other. Um, And I think that that's one thing that physicians traditionally have had a really hard time doing because, Mm. um, you know, our, our schedules are so demanding that there's not really a lot of time to, to connect in other ways. For sure. Um, And there's probably, you know, if they go to a lot of these chat rooms or, you know, communities, it it probably is very quick that it ends up being a a spammer thing and then their email gets hacked and, you know, things like that. So I like the fact that it's purely strictly physicians only. There's no mm -hmm. spammers in there. It's not like sold out to all these, you know, different people that are just blasting spam ads to everybody. Um, and I think that's really important because there's, it seems like there's very few of those arenas where you can actually do that. It's like the, the last honest chat room almost. (laughs) (laughs) We like to think of it as a very safe space for physicians. And we put a lot of effort into trying to maintain that. Yeah. That's interesting though. And I think last time we talked, uh, in terms of the size and scope, you mentioned 60,000 members for the, um, virtual lounge, the actual main Facebook page has well over 100,000. Is that right? It's uh, 90,000 currently. Um, we actually have about 30,000 people waiting to be verified as physicians on the wait list right now. Wow. So we, um, you know, we try to add about 500 to 600 people a week, but sort of a full-time job trying to also maintain integrity of, of the people that are you know, asking to be added and making sure that, that they are in fact physicians. So we have an entire, you know, part of our team that's dedicated to, to ensuring that. So mm-hmm. we're hoping to get through that backlog uh, sooner rather than later, but um, there's clearly a demand that we've, that we've met that, or that we've encountered that we're trying very hard to foster. That's amazing. So it really yeah. started out as a business focused conversation. And I yeah. want to dig into that a little bit, just for, for our listeners here. Uh, that may not be in the healthcare space, or maybe that they are and they're new, uh, new physicians coming out of school. Why, why, why are these people coming in and talking about the side gig? Is it, like you said, because is it financial constraints? Is it just entrepreneurial people that didn't learn business in medical school, but now are trying to do that? What's the driver for your community initially? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I think different people have different reasons for it, right? There are some people that really just want alternative income streams, right? They want to supplement their income in some way. They want to have a little bit of extra spending capital. There are other people who, um, you know, would like to have just a backup plan in case, 
you know, things go wrong or in case they're left without a job for a while. And so people like the idea of having multiple streams of revenue, right? That's always attractive to people, even if they are doing very well financially within their primary job. And then, you know, there's other people that just really like the idea of something different, right? You you all hit that seven year itch sort of in your career and you, you want to do something that's a little bit different or pivot a little bit or use a different part of your brain. And um, I think that that can be really attractive for a lot of people. It's really nice to meet other people and in different contexts. I think physicians in general are lifelong learners and they really just like enjoying, you know, they, they really enjoy getting other skill sets and meeting new people and learning about new things, whether that's real estate or whether that's, you know, writing or speaking or whatever it is that they want to do. It's nice to have an outlet. Um, I think the other thing is, is that for a lot of physicians, you know, their work is primarily, it's, it becomes very, um, although, although I think everyone loves the heart of what they do, medicine these days doesn't allow for as much creativity as um, people would maybe necessarily like to have in their careers. And so, you know, with people dictating how many RVUs you have to generate and how long your jobs are going to be and, you know, Mm -hmm. how many, how long your patient visits are going to be and exactly, you know, which algorithm you have to go through to get your insurance um, to cover whatever it is that you're trying to, you know, prior authorizations, things like that for your patients. I think that people are really craving outlets to kind of do their own thing in a way where they're autonomous and they get to, Mm. you know, create things on their own terms. And so for that reason, side gigs can be really useful. So it's not, it's not just about the money. It's, it's about having these other things, you know, there's, there are some other financial considerations too. Most physicians are W2 income, which doesn't allow for a lot of tax, Mm. um, you know, tax means that a lot of physicians are taxed in a very high income bracket. And so there are tax savings associated with 1099 income and, um, you know, or K1 income and things like that. So some people do it for that reason. Other people really don't even monetize their side gigs. They just want something fun to do. And and maybe they're just looking for a way to justify their time with their hobbies. And, you know, So that was my next question, actually. Is there, have you seen like a trend of what the top side gig or the top side, you know, job is for a physician do people do physicians really like building cars or is like is there one thing that that uh seems to be trending i mean trending wise it's it's so dependent on what people's reasons are right if they're looking for substantial revenue streams then they're probably doing something more entrepreneurial in terms of health tech or they're going into real estate or you know things that are going to provide larger income streams but then there's a lot of people who are just doing their hobbies. And I think those are for me, the funnest ones that are on the group, because you'll see people kind of picking up, you know, if you think about these people and who they are as a demographic, they're those people in high school that did 15 different activities. And then all of a sudden off this box that said that they were going to medical school and then all their coursework was outlined for them and all their applications and their tests were outlined for them. And they sort of lost, um, the time to be able to focus on whatever it was that they used to be so talented in, whether it was music or whether it was writing or whether it was debate or whatever it Mm was. And so, um, I think that a lot of people you see coming back to those things and saying, Hey, like, this is something I'd like to revive. Is there some way to make it, um, is there some way to justify my time doing that? Mm-hmm. Not that you need a justification, but some people really enjoy. Well, that begs the question, since there's such a diversity of, of kind of perspectives within the physician's yeah. uh, side, uh, hostile community that you've built, 
What's the most unusual one you've come across? Ooh, okay. good one. That community? That I, want, good I want, I want, it sounds like it's diverse. I'm sure there's something interesting in there. So let's see if we <laughs> can find one. There's a lot of interesting ones. Of course, when people ask me this, I have a hard time picking or thinking of sort of the ones, but you know, we've, we have some physicians who have started like breweries or um, vineyards, or we've had some physicians who do, um, actually one of my physicians built his own swimming pool over the summer last oh, wow. summer. Like just everything <laughs> from operating, like the equipment to everything. Um, so I mean, people will do really cool things, um, and I think I'm trying to think if there's anything like particularly left field. But um, you know, I mean, people people will decide right now, like they'll create NFTs and they'll just kind of see, you know, where <laughs> it goes. Or there's there's keep in mind there's 90,000 people on that community so you're going to get a wide diversity of what people like and what they're interested in you know some of them are weekend weekend physician birdhouse building (laughs) or walking dogs or I mean you'll see everything whatever sort of makes them happy which I think is really the cool part um, of seeing people talking about these things because sometimes people don't want to talk about these things because they seem you know, a little bit out there. And I think the community has really given a place for people to say like, Hey, this is this other part of my personality. Is there anybody else out there that really likes this particular video game? And all of a sudden people are like, yeah, let's get together and play this video game or <laughs> let's do, you know? And so I, it's, it's nice to see people kind of coming out of their shells and out of this, like yeah. shedding mm. professional veneer and, and just identifying with each other as people, because we don't get that opportunity a lot when we're in medicine. You know, I think when you're working the hours that you're working and charting the hours that you're charting and then fulfilling your family responsibilities, sometimes you lose that part of yourself. And and it's been really nice to see people trying to reclaim that. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, one of the things that we see on the show is our guests often bring unique insights to the audience. Is there any kind of nugget based on your experience with PSG as a practicing physician, even as a public speaker who's kind of got uh, her finger on the pulse of the physician community? Is there any kind of nugget of knowledge or advice you give to the audience of physicians or medical entrepreneurs uh, in our listening to our show today? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that that I end up having to talk to people about is really what, what it is that they want. Um, because everybody kind of wants to do something different and they get onto the community and they're like, what should my side gig be? Like, what should I do? And, um, and it's funny cause we ask them like, well, well, what is it that you want? Right. And for a lot of physicians, that is a staggering question. Like it takes them a minute to answer that question mm-hmm. because it's been a really long time since somebody's asked them what they wanted. You know, a lot of life in medicine is very like, pre-populated as I was referring to earlier, where somebody tells you, this is your next step. This is your next step. Very scripted. um, Mm -hmm. It's really great to see people kind of going back to, well, what, what makes me happy and what do I want more on my plate of, and what are the things that are making me actively unhappy and and making me think I can't do this for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And how do I get some of that off of my Mm. plate? Um, So I think for me, you know, I always talk to people about sort of doing a SWOT analysis on their life, right. You know, just kind of, saying like, what are the things that are making me happy and make me want to do this forever? Um, And what are the things that really aren't making me happy? Um, And how do I get rid of those things? And what are the challenges and obstacles to me being able to do those things? And then how do I address those? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think for for most physicians and um, healthcare entrepreneurs, people are sort of, they have these boxes, they have these ideas, but 
they don't really know where to go with them. Um, and aligning those personal and professional interests is really, really important because most people that are doing things in a side hustle capacity already have a primary stream of income and a primary like source of where most of their hours go. And so you got to be happy doing whatever it is on the side. Um, and honestly, if you're not passionate about what it is that you're doing on the side, you're probably going to drop it because side hustles are a lot of work and mm -hmm. nobody needs another job, right? Um, I think most people are looking for something that's actually going to actively bring them joy. And so jumping on to a bandwagon, one of the mistakes that I see people making the most is just saying like, oh, burnout is really popular right now. I should My side gig should be about burnout. And it's kind of like, well, if you're not passionate about burnout, you're psychic should not be about burnout because you're not going to be able to do it well. And people are going to see that you're not passionate about it because it comes through and everything, how you totally. talk about it, how you address it, what solutions you come up for it. So find that thing that you're passionate about and that you want to spend your free hours of your day thinking about. And that's where the best ideas are going to come from. Love that. I like it. Awesome. I like it. I think, I think that, um, having a creative outlet, as well as a relationship outside of work really is critical, whether that's be mm -hmm. a relationship to your hobby, to other community people in your network professionally, or even on your personal side. I mean, you mentioned some of the stories that you face as a family challenging, you know, balancing the family and business and things like that. And I think having something like PSG, which is great for time strapped people because it is an online community that you can go to, participate in at whatever level you want, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Right. And like Alex said earlier, it's protected, which is kind of cool mm -hmm. yeah. um, because I'm sure, you know, as you, if you probably noticed the two big challenges that we see in the healthcare space in the show is one, the systemization of healthcare, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, where it's almost production based in terms of how many patients you see, how much time you spend with patients um, because of the larger system growth. And, and then the other side is kind of the culture which I think is breaking down slightly uh, because mental health is becoming such a big deal in the United States writ large um, after the pandemic. But the idea that like physicians are people too, right? Like they have yeah. highs and lows. They can struggle probably even more so than some people with mental health issues because of the stress of the job, the long hours, just the intensity of what they've been through the last couple of years. So I think it's nice to have someone like yourself that can speak about it, raise awareness, provide an online mm -hmm. community, whether it be the lounge or the entrepreneurial side, just to give people that, that opportunity. Cause like Alex said, they are kind of few and far between, uh, in terms of a safe space. Yeah. And I'll challenge you a little bit on just, you know, is the mental health space getting better? I think awareness is getting better. Um, I think that people are more aware that healthcare workers are burned out and that they're sort of, you know, that they've had that challenge over the past few years, especially that's been particularly exacerbated, but really um, that healthcare professionals are not in a great place right now. And that's, you know, 70% of physicians wouldn't recommend a career in medicine to their children. There's all mm -hmm. these studies out there about how many people are going to leave the healthcare workforce over the next few years um, because of some of these challenges, right? Those are all things, but I think when you're on the inside of that situation, you see a lot of lip service being paid to this idea that there's mental health, uh, you know, a need for mental health awareness and a need for um, systems to be more friendly and flexible. However, in actuality, I don't know that we've necessarily gotten to the point where people are giving it more than lip service on an institutional level and on an organizational level. And so, um, 
I think one of the things that comes out of these communities is a sense of empowerment of the physicians yeah. and the healthcare workers yeah. to really say, hey, this is a real thing. Like we will actually leave or we will actually make changes um, and, and telling each other that it is okay to kind of fight back against that. Because as much as we tell each other, like your people too, you know, your needs also come into play every day on the group, we have posts where, you know, a physician says like, I got sick, I got COVID and I had to cancel my office hours and my patients are so mad. Right. Like, and it, and the system is kind of like, well, can you do telehealth visits? Can you blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, well, you know, we talk about taking care of ourselves, but at the end of the day, like, even if we're at home hacking up half of a lung with COVID, we're still being asked to take these telehealth visits or check on our inbox notifications or things like mm -hmm. that. Right. So how is it that we actually create a system in which we like walk the walk in terms of what we're saying about needing to take care of mental health and realizing that right. physicians and other healthcare workers <laughs> too that that sort of level of awareness um i think that people know that we're asking for it but i don't know that systems have actually responded to give that to people yet yeah yeah very mm. important mm. and for those of you who don't know pete is actually very passionate about yoga so i'm fully anticipating a yoga studio <laughs> yes. coming out as his side gig yes flexibility <laughs> is key and you're gonna <laughs> Gonna have a um, you're gonna have a retreat for us, right, Pete? Where the physicians oh, yes. come and do these a things? Absolutely. Now, now that you brought it up, you know that gives me a good reason to come visit you on the on the East Coast. Yes. To see my my family and yourself. We can go yeah. down to maybe go down to Charleston. You know, find a nice spot Kiwa. on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Kiwa. Sounds nice. good. Sounds great. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Well, this has well, been thank a great you. conversation. Yeah. Thanks awesome. for coming, Dr. Nisha. This has been awesome. It's been fun to talk to you guys as always. Cool. And if people want to go check out uh, PSG or your Facebook group, because I know you have a couple different mediums online, what's yeah. the best way for people to do that? Yeah, so if you just go to www.physiciansidegigs.com, that will pretty much lead you um, gateway-wise into you know finding ways to join the group. If you are a physician or looking at some of our more public stuff online um, or Instagram accounts or things like that, um, that that'll kind of gate gate you to whatever it is that you want to be gated towards um from there so that's probably the best place to go excellent very good perfect well as right. always great to see you again thanks for joining us in the show and yep. ha hats off to everything you're doing for the physician community thanks so yeah. much for having me Super fun and informative. Thanks again, Dr. Nisha. And thank you to all the listeners out there. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all our social medias. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.